The Business Travel Podcast, brought to you by The Business Travel Magazine. Hi, my name is Beth Ferris and I'm the editor of The Business Travel Magazine and I'd like to welcome you to our latest Business Travel Podcast. Today I am checking in with Kieran Hartwell, who is Managing Director Corporate at Travel Counsellors. Hi Kieran. Hi Beth, how are you doing? I'm very well, how are you? Very good, thanks. Trying not to get blown away. It's, I know it's a very windy day today and um, I'm a bit worried because my, my son's actually on his way back from the Isle of Wight on his school trip today and a lot of the mums are panicking on the WhatsApp group about the ferry crossing. Oh, <laughs> but, what a um, treat. It's quite a treat that he was able to do that actually. Really lucky that they were literally going on the day that the, that the restrictions changed. So yeah, he was very lucky indeed. And they've had a, we're not allowed to have any contact. We've seen some photographs and they look like they're having an amazing time. So yeah, apart from this ferry crossing, I'm sure it's going to be. Yeah, okay. I'm sure it'll be all right. I think most of us would take a trip to the Isle of Wight at the moment, to be honest. I'd go anywhere, wouldn't you, at the moment? Oh, yeah, no <laughs> doubt. Anywhere that, anywhere that isn't Manchester. Exactly. <laughs> oh, so, um, so uh, as you know, this series is, is checking in with, and we talk to people in the industry and try and find out a bit about them, a bit more about them, their personality, um, their likes, dislikes, um, a bit more than you see in the LinkedIn profile. So to start with, why don't you just tell me a little bit about yourself, just a, a few a few minutes, just tell me yeah. about your family, what you do, your, your, your pets, anything, just off you go. No worries. So probably... Uh... Pretty straightforward. I've got two uh, daughters who are like the epicenter of my life. So I've got Izzy, who's uh, just coming up 14, and Pops, who is 11. Uh, she's absolutely the boss of the house and everyone and has been since she was born, probably just an affliction of being the youngest. Yeah. Uh, both yep. girls are really fantastic swimmers. Um, so I spend a lot of time ferrying them around for swim training at awful times of the day, like five o'clock in the morning. Um, and then this weekend, they're actually doing a swim meet to see where they're at with their times, because obviously they hadn't, haven't been able to swim during the various different lockdowns. So, oh, wow. so is, this, is this pool swimming or, out, or outdoor swimming? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So just competing in, inside. It's just a brutal sport because of the, the times of day that you have to train is always in like either 5 a.m. or kind of like one of them was training last night till 10 o'clock, which is quite late when they've got school the next day. So. So how do they get into swimming? Um, I think it's just a combination of swimming lessons when they were kids, got into a club, and then when we moved out to the States, they were over there. The, the kind of athletic coaching is really off the charts compared to the UK. So they did year-round swimming competitively and then also joined a summer swim team. And summer swim is just outdoor, in the pool, lots of fun, everyone around the pool cheering, screaming, there's a DJ there announcing them and all this type of stuff. So it was really, a really great experience for both of them. So you, so you, lived, you mentioned you lived in the States, you lived in the States for a while, that's part of your... your for yeah, your... lived out there twice actually. So moved out there in 2008 for a couple of years um, when Izzy was a baby and moved, then moved back to the UK. This is when I was working for Radius um, and then moved back out there again in 2017 back to the UK at the end of 2019. So a bit of bouncing around back and forth, but really rich um, experience, especially for the girls being able to go to school over there, participate in swimming and traveling around quite a bit. So I feel really privileged to have had that. Where were you? So in uh, just outside Washington, DC, 
always get berated for saying DC itself, right? Because people were quite precious about that as a, as a place. Um, so the office was in Bethesda, Maryland, which is just a really nice suburb of Washington, DC. And do your, do your girls have American accents? Oh, no, no, thankfully not. They were able to retain their point of differentiation, which was a British accent. So um, they did go to American schools and learn the, the pledge of allegiance and all that stuff that they have to do every day. Um, but for the most part, yeah, they kept their accents, which is a good thing. So, you, and you came back kind of, kind of just in time, I guess, because presumably you have family still over here in the UK. So now you're not yes. in the States away from your 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 family but at the same time yeah. you came back at quite a difficult starting a new job at travel councils at quite a tough yes. time yeah i did i started in february of last year it was a big <laughs> shift because actually most of the, the last major chunk of my career has been working in kind of large market multinational which actually when you're in it you think it's kind of everything in the travel industry but it's actually just a very small narrow part of the industry um, and i've come to work, take a role in travel counsellors in this really nimble, fast-growing SME sector, which has got very low customer concentration, incredible loyalty, great skills and experience. And it's just a very different part of the market. So as well as having to get my head around a new sector, a new team and a new business in a new country, because actually working with Brits is very different than working with Americans. Uh, for the large part so yeah that combined with the, the global pandemic it was all just you know quite a challenging year I would say last year but it was certainly a first world problem because a lot a lot harder for many other people yeah definitely definitely so um so, so you came back in the end of, end of the 2019 started in February literally at the beginning of the pandemic yeah. you've been working from home I mean have you met many of the people many of the people within the the team. Yeah, interestingly enough, I've actually spent quite a bit of time up in up in Manchester. Uh, we feel like it's really important um, to create that kind of sense of, of hub and community um, and give the travel counsellors, you know, kind of something to connect with. So when we've been able to, between lockdowns, when it's been appropriate and safe to do so, actually, um, there's been quite a few of us that have been in the office. So certainly, I'd say in this most recent lockdown since February, I've been back up in Manchester every week. Oh wow! So. You had your you had your conference last week, so what? That was virtual, presumably, or were some of you actually in the Manchester office for that? Yeah, so we were um, actually we, there were quite a few of us in the office. We're quite fortunate that we've got a BBC grade TV studio in in the office, um, and actually we broadcast a lot of a lot of the ways ways that we communicate with our community is via video. So we use that studio quite a bit. So actually, we're quite, I guess, blessed that to be able to deliver a virtual event with professional um, audiovisual equipment, it actually worked quite well. So we were, it was a really, really great event. We had excellent speakers um, from outside uh, that, that added a lot of value to it. So it was good. So what, what have you found personally um, difficult about the lockdown? Have you, or have you, have you been okay? I mean, how have you coped with it? Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, it's a really good question, actually, uh, to reflect on that. So I think that I, uh, I have always operated on the fringes of my own anxiety, right, I would say. Um, and actually, the busier I am, the, the more, more easy that is for me to manage. So actually, being, you know, <laughs> I guess 
from what we've just talked about, all of that change at the end of 2019, 2020 is fine because I'm actually quite comfortable making myself, or I have to get myself comfortable being uncomfortable, if that makes sense. Um, that's kind of how I, how I push myself and learn and grow and, and operate. Um, but I think actually having so much time in one place Right. And being restricted because I've come from a, a life where I was very fortunate. I was able to travel quite extensively for work um, and had a lot of autonomy and a lot of freedom. And suddenly those freedoms have been taken away. Um, it felt quite challenging. And then obviously the, the overarching anxiety of worrying about family and friends, and trying to take care of loved ones. It was a, just those were the those were the things that were difficult. So I'm quite happy that we're starting to slowly come out the other side of it now. What, so what so what was the, what? Have you been to a pub? Have you been taking advantage of freedom? I did, actually. Yes, I have. Um, actually, I was in your neck of the woods yesterday. I was in Brighton yesterday. Okay. Uh, we actually had a face-to-face -face meeting with a small group of our travel councillors that are based in the, in the south of England. Um, so we got together in a, in a conference room, um, grabbed some lunch, and just hung out together. And it was actually really nice to spend time with people face-to-face. -face. So I've done that. And I've been to... Been to the pub a couple of times, not since they've opened up back inside, actually, but since you've been able to go, obviously, go outside. Yeah, yeah. It's not really been the weather for it, has it? No, it hasn't. I know. It hasn't at all. What, and did you get involved with the homeschooling or? Oh, no chance of that. No, actually, the girls are at an age, I think, where they're quite self-sufficient and they coped really. I think kids are so, I know this, especially having moved around to live in different places, they're so adaptable. Uh, they were able to quite quickly pivot to that. Um, I think in the second lockdown, when the, their schools introduced more Zoom-based classroom learning and teaching, they actually uh, they coped with that much better. Yeah. Okay. No good. No good asking me. I'm probably not. I, I work on my patience, but it's probably not my strongest. <laughs> So let, let's start. I mean, we've had a, found out a lot about you already, but let's, let's get back to the some of the, some of the questions. Um, yeah. What, what is one thing people would be surprised to know about you, Kieran? Uh, there's a couple actually that spring to mind. So one, you can probably, you can, you, no one listening to this will be able to see, but you can probably see from behind me, I've got a few books on the shelf. Um, I'm an absolute bibliophile, I think is the expression. Uh, my mother is a, was a career librarian. Oh. So I grew up kind of being surrounded by books. So I feel very comfortable um, around books. And actually, that would be my utopia to have a room that was just wall to wall, floor to ceiling, full of books. Uh, so I spend a lot of time reading um, and trying to kind of learn a bit, whether that's about myself or other subjects. What kind of um, not, not fiction or just any particular type of books that you... Uh, I flip I flip between quite, quite quite often I've got two or three on the go at any one time and that could be I might be listening to a, an audio book which is fiction read it and then reading some one or two things that are non-fiction and I guess it just depends on the time of day what sort of mood I'm in and I'll flip around between uh, between different things I'm also not worried about ditching a book you know if I start something and I get 50 100 pages in I'm not feeling it I'm okay with dropping it and moving on. I have to finish. Once yeah, I have friends that are like that. <laughs> I could have more than one on the go at the same time. So just, so going back to your mum, so she was a, what's a career librarian as opposed to a librarian? Is there well, a difference? Well, no, no, there's no difference. Um, oh. I actually 
Right, she's retired now. She just uh, she started working when she was 16 in the public library service, um, spent most of her career there, but actually switched out later on in life and, and uh, actually set up a library in Winchester Prison, uh, which was quite a challenging thing to do, as you yeah. can imagine. Um, and spent five years doing that and actually won an award, an award as a result of that. So really proud of her for that. Um, and then worked in a school library and kind of bounced around a little bit in that environment as well. Does she read, I mean, we sh she obviously encouraged you and read to you from a very young age. And that's where the passion for reading came from. Do you I think? think so. I think that she's... she's the other way, couldn't it? <laughs> yeah, she yeah, probably should turn you off and make you go the other way. Yeah, But she, she's terrible now. She reads absolute... Um, trash i think she's she's exceptionally well read but i think now she uses reading really just as, a, as an escape so quite often find her reading some kind of trashy crime novel okay. or whatever like a beach read which is fine we all need that from time to time okay. um, and they said there was a couple of things so what's the other thing you think people would be surprised to know about you well this is more self uh self-deprecating um in that when i was younger I can I can swim right I'm just not very good at it so watching the kids glide up and down the pool for all of those evenings and weekends I kind of you know felt a little envious I thought I'd really like to be able to do that with you and not look like a complete wally when we're in the pool on holiday so um, I actually on a couple of occasions have taken swimming lessons and probably the best story associated with that was at the end of 2019, I was in Omaha in Nebraska for a few months and I was on my own there. And I, I kind of thought, you know, I need to find something to do in the evening. So why not go take some swimming lessons? So I found a, found a pool, got it all signed up, rushed there after work one evening, right? Um, get told at the front desk, hey, go into the changing room, put your swimsuit on, take your goggles, go through and your coach, Cody, I think his name was, will meet you on the other side. So I walk out of this changing room into this pool area in my swimming shorts, right, with my goggles wrapped around my wrist to meet looking for this guy, Cody. And I look around and I realise, right, that the pool is absolutely full of under fives having a <laughs> swimming lesson. On the periphery around the side of the pool are all of their parents, right? <laughs> so they're watching. Yeah. And there's this tall, lanky, pasty British guy, right? <laughs> on his own having a swimming lesson in a single lane with this with this young guy called Cody. But anyway, that, that was definitely like kind of somewhat humiliating. Um, but also, I don't know, just one of those challenges, right? You've just got to get in and crack on with it. And when I looked around, I thought, actually, any parent that's got a kid that's under five and someone else is taking care of them, they're probably not taking any notice of anything that's going on. So most of them were nose down in their in their iPhone or whatever. So <laughs> oh. anyway, I can, I, the, the outcome of that is I can now at least do front crawl. You can't do butterfly. That was always one that looks... <laughs> no chance. But, you're, but you're, I bet your girls can. I always find it... Yeah, the girls, can. The girls are proficient in uh, in all strokes so mate it's really beautiful to watch i'm very proud of them so do you think maybe are you sort of thinking olympic standards are they, are they that good uh, no 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 no, no. no, no, no. i think <laughs> I'm, I'm probably overstating because they're my kids right so i'm going to be obviously super proud of them but i think that as long as what i would like for them to get out of it is to have a baseline of 
um, fitness and feeling like that's an important part of their life and also have instilled in them kind of the importance of being part of a team and what that means um, in terms of being committed, having to turn up, looking at looking after your teammates, that type of thing. So if they can stick that out till they get through senior school, I'll be really happy. Have they got dark hair like you or are they blonde? Well, one of them is a blonde bombshell, actually, the so youngest one. There was a girl at my school that was a really good swimmer and she used to swim every single morning and her hair started to go green. I've just got this vivid memory. <laughs> I guess now they've probably got, they've got different shampoos that you can, but I just remember her hair just got greener and greener and greener as she went through school because she was just committed to the swimming. <laughs> no, 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 um, no hair challenges yet. One of them, uh, Izzy's got uh, like kind of mousy brown sort of coloured hair. Uh, but I think she's going to, She's already started highlighting it and doing different things with it. The youngest is blonde hair, blue, um, uh, blue eyes. So. Oh. Well, um, my next question is, what's your greatest achievements? Ooh, that is a really good question. Um, I don't, probably, look, I mean, aside from having kids and have, having the girls, right, probably having a somehow carving out a very rich and fulfilling and rewarding career mm -hmm. to date. I mean, I started uh, life working at, well, aside from repping for Key Camp, if you remember them, yeah. over, in, over in France for a summer, uh, I went to uni, dropped out because I was having so much fun in France. Um, and then I started working as soon as I got back. And I'd always known I wanted to work in the travel industry. So I at least had that kind of uh, linear perspective on where I wanted to go. I just wasn't quite sure where that was going to take me. Um, so I started working at Cook's um, on the high street, had a great old boss who basically said to me, look, if you ever want to make any money out of this business, you need to like learn everything. So I'm good. if you're up for it, I'm going to throw you at everything, every possible opportunity. And I just kind of went on from there. And I had some um, really great uh, bosses and people that encouraged me and mentored me and gave me uh, opportunities in abundance. And that really resulted in me being able to work in a global environment, uh, meet and travel and meet lots of people from all over the world and work in some really challenging places. Um, and just, yeah, just feel really fortunate to have been able to carve out that as, a, as my career. So did you start, when you were with Cooks, were you in, in the leisure side? So how did you get into the business travel? Side. Where did that I knew I wanted to get into business travel, but I knew that in order to do that, I needed a foundation in leisure. So I thought I'd do a couple of years at Cooks, which is what happened. And then I moved over to, I don't know if you remember these guys, Piano Piando Business Travel, yeah. uh, which is part of Carnival Corporation. Tony Hughes? So, Tony. Tony. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yes. Yeah. So I, I worked with uh, Tony and also Keith Haynes. Keith Haynes, so yeah. I worked for yeah. Keith, actually, at Piano for, for about, I was there for about six years. Um, started in res, moved into a sales and marketing role and just kind of moved up through the ranks uh, thereafter. And actually, when uh, Tony and Keith left to go to Radius, that's, um, I, I kind of went with them. Okay. So. Did you did you do a stint? Oh, no. So when you were at Carnival, you were with P&O. You weren't actually on, the, you didn't work in the cruise side of things. No, well, I didn't. But I was very, very, really lucky, actually. Um, I got a place on this program called Developing Potential, which was their kind of, it was their equivalent of a graduate scheme, I guess. But not being a graduate, I was quite fortunate to get on it. It was a year-long program, and it basically threw you around to all different parts of the business and gave you experience and exposure. Um, so I did that for a year. And then 
I had this kind of sliding doors moment of, do I pursue a career in the cruise industry, right? I live in the South of England, Carnival's head office is in Southampton. Or um, this opportunity kind of came up with, with Radius. And I thought, well, that one seems a bit more, you know, on the fringes, it's a bit more risky. It's kind of a challenger brand that's aspiring to, to break into the global TMC network space. Um, and I thought I'd go for that and give it a try. And then 17 years later, I had, had this incredible experience there and ended up um, running it. So a really, really great, great time, great opportunity. But obviously you say you traveled a lot. What, what have you missed about traveling in the lockdown? Uh, what have I missed about traveling? I just think the rich experience that you get from interacting with people from other cultures and other countries and having different opinions and different backgrounds. I think that's probably the most part. Um, I certainly have not missed being jet lagged no. um, at any point in the last year. That's probably been something that's quite pleasant. I, I don't think I've, I've probably underestimated actually how awful that made me feel quite a lot of the time. So that's been quite nice to not, I haven't actually been anywhere for aside from Manchester for over a year now. It's crazy. Have you got any plans to go anywhere this, this summer? Yes. So I've had a few things cancelled. So um, the girls really, really liked uh, Maui and Hawaii. So we were going to go back there this summer, but obviously just decided to switch switch things around when we weren't sure whether we were going to be able to get to the US. So I've um, actually got a trip to Crete booked um, for two weeks in August. So fingers crossed that that ends up on the green list and we're able to do that trip. That will be your first uh, trip overseas since the start of the lockdown, presumably. Uh, no, I went to France last summer, um, actually to the south of France. We drove, a long drive, but um, really lucky to be able to escape for a couple of weeks. Uh, it was quite funny because we actually ended up racing back. You know, remember when there was this kind of isolation thing came in for two weeks for France? Yes, yeah, so I think we got back like 12 hours before that or something to that effect. So. Yeah, we came back a week later, so we had to do the quarantine, sadly. Oh, no. <laughs> I was nice, it was nice just, you know, after all the lockdowns and stuff, just to get away for a little bit. Yeah, just to, just to get you through. So what, um, what, where's the top of your bucket list? Obviously, you've travelled loads already, but where's somewhere you haven't been that you would love there's to a lot. There's a lot of places I'd like to take that I've, I've been fortunate enough to go to that I want to take the kids to, right? Um, so last year, actually, we were supposed to be going to Thailand. That was cancelled, so that needs to be to be rebooked um, but I'd really really like to take the girls to Japan um, I think it's a really culturally rich uh, place and it's kind of it's probably a bit like Asia light so it's probably a good point of entry for them uh, to, to get used to what it's like out there so uh, yeah I think probably Japan is top of the list. Um, who's been your best boss? Oh you do not I don't want to upset anyone here <laughs> um, so I would say I have been really fortunate to have had uh, three people that probably stand out that have had the most influence on me to date, and I'm, I'm sure there will be more in years to come. Um, but first, Keith Haynes, who you know, um, who's now retired, bless him, he was, he's a, a really lovely guy and really helped kind of nurture me at an early stage of my, of my career. And then uh, two guys that were both my bosses at Radius. So one is a guy called Chris Vassiliou, who was this kind of wily old New Yorker who'd spent most of his career working for 
Sabre and American Airlines. Um, and he was he'd obviously worked in like big multinational corporations. He'd lived and worked all over the world in China, Australia, etc., in the States, UK. Uh, and he was a lot of fun to work for. He would give you a smack when you needed it, but he'd also boost you up and put you on a pedestal when you needed it too. So a really good guy. And then probably the person that's had the most influence on my career and probably still does actually to date is a guy called Shannon Highland, uh, who was the CEO at Radius. Um, he is, I think he just kind of taught me but mostly the importance of aligning behind like a single mission and goal and getting people to want to follow you on that, but always kind of doing that with a wink and a smile right? Not taking life or things too seriously. Um, is he, is he he's American as well? Yeah, he's American. Uh, he's American. His mother is Liverpudlian. His father was kind of Irish American. So kind of, a, you know, a really interesting, interesting background. He came from a very like working class family, uh, a military kind of Air Force family, actually, and, and worked his, worked really hard to get out of that, got all of his uh, education, um, and has had lots of really incredible jobs in different businesses around around the US. So very fortunate to have worked with him. And, and also, I think he taught me, you know, reminded me a lot of the time and still does today that all of us are a little bit flawed, right? That no one's, no one's perfect and it's okay to be flawed. And we're all, we're all just trying to do our best to get by. So um, he's still a very good friend and mentor. And I feel very fortunate to have learned so much working for him. Wow, that's excellent. Well, I think that's that's a great time to great note to finish on. That's um, yeah. words from uh, from your mentor, and uh, I'm sure that in your new role you'll be mentoring many other people in the travel councillors. Really nice talking to you, Kieran. I hope so. Yeah, you too. And um, I hope we get time to catch up again soon. Yes, let's hope so. Take care and good luck. Good luck with the girls. I'm, I'm sure I'm a feeling we might be seeing them at the Olympics. What would it be? <laughs> I will see. <laughs> 2000 and whenever it might be. <laughs> yeah, when there's fans back, hopefully. Yeah, yes. Take care. Lovely to speak to you. You too. Bye. Thanks, Beth. Bye. The Business Travel Podcast, brought to you by The Business Travel Magazine.